In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. In the epistle reading for today, we get a glimpse into the pastoral heart of St. Paul. He was in constant prayer for the Colossian Christians so that they would, as he says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. If you've been tracking along with the epistle readings this fall, you'll recall that we've had a heavy focus on just that, walking in a way that is pleasing to God. St. Paul says in one place that the scriptures are written for our instruction, and that's what we find so much of, especially in the New Testament. In his final words, in St. Matthew's Gospel, Jesus commands his disciples to teach those that they baptize all that he has commanded them, that they would know what God's Word says. This is a radically different way we generally think of Christianity today. In fact, I'll admit that I didn't really come to this realization until I'd spent more time, more of my own time reading the Bible and reading sermons of pastors who had come before us, stretching all the way back to the beginning of the LCMS, back through the time of the Reformation, and even back to the very first centuries of Christianity. For me, in my brief four decades experience within Christianity, I had come to know more of a devotional kind of Christianity, one that was aimed more at making Christians feel better about the world that we live in. And I'm not saying that my pastors before were trying to say that it was okay the way the world was, we just kind of need to get used to it, but it was more like feeling like I was, it was going to be okay because the Lord was going to come back. You just kind of had to wait for, for Christ to fulfill his promises. I would even characterize this as, as almost, almost therapeutic. That it's meant more of an encouragement in the face of hardship more than anything else. But the writings of the apostles... And the sermons of Christians in subsequent generations of churches, of the church's history, paints a very different picture of what our Lord's will is for us. The writings of the apostles and of Christians of various eras tend to focus more on teaching. Yes, comfort and consolation and encouragement, all of these things were certainly there, However, there was more of a focus on the teaching. In fact, those things all resulted from knowing what the scriptures taught. Notice St. Paul's words here. We have not ceased praying for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul isn't asking that these Colossian Christians primarily find peace and joy, but they would be filled 
with the knowledge of God's will and spiritual wisdom and understanding. In other words, he wants them to know what God actually says to them. Let's take the two people that we heard about in our gospel reading for today as examples. The first man, a ruler, we don't really know what he was ruling, probably a synagogue or something like that, came to ask Jesus to raise his daughter from the dead. The second woman, or the second was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, and she had also come to Jesus for healing. Now, you might ask, how in the world did they know that they could expect those things from him? Well, we have to assume that they'd heard about his power to heal. After all, at the end of our gospel reading, we hear the familiar refrain that the report of this, the raising of this man's daughter, went throughout all that district. They knew because they had heard it. And so it ought to be with you all. Through the prophet Hosea, our Lord warns, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We aren't destroyed by not having things that make us feel better about our lives or the way that the world is around us. The old adage, ignorance is bliss, may apply here. You may be actually happier in not knowing what you don't know, but what you don't know can actually be harmful to you and to your salvation. Let me give you a more practical example. You all know that you are to drink fluids if you are to stay healthy. But if we don't know what, we, what kind of fluids we ought to drink, that we probably shouldn't sit around drinking Mountain Dew all day, that could be harmful to our overall health. Paul urges his hearers, including us this morning, to be growing in our knowledge of God. And the place where we learn about him and about his word as it is read and preached and taught is in the scriptures. There are many, including Christians, who have lots of ideas about God and lots of things to say about the things that they think God says or the things they think God thinks. Unfortunately, many of those ideas are not actually based in the word of God. On top of that, the devil, unfortunately, knows the Bible better than we do. If you recall, he quotes the word of God to Eve in the garden, and he even has the audacity to quote the word of God to Jesus in the temptation in the wilderness. Since we live in the era of Google, there are lots of ways that people who don't actually believe the Bible can pull out quotations, much in the same way that Satan does, to make the Bible sound utterly ridiculous to Christians and try to expose us as frauds. Here's the thing. I know that you guys pay me to read and understand the Bible, but I can't always be right there with you in every conversation that you have about God's Word. And here's the other thing. You are also responsible to some degree to what you know 
about the word of God. Jesus says to all who follow him, not just to pastors, he says to all of us, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing because inwardly they are ravenous wolves. I'm teaching my children the Bible at home, not because I'm the pastor of the church, but because I want my children to be growing in the knowledge of the word of God. It is from that word of God that we bear fruit in every good work, continuing, he says, to increase in the knowledge of God. The fact that Paul urges us about this twice, to be filled with the knowledge of God and to increase in the knowledge of God, tells us that this project is never done. We never graduate, so to speak, from learning God's word. Once you get to the end of catechism, you're not done learning what God says about various things. In fact, as a pastor, I'm constantly amazed at the things that I learn nearly every time I come to the scriptures to read and to study and pray. It is from the word of God that we learn to recognize the voice of our Savior, that we can follow him wherever he leads. The psalmist beautifully declares for us, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We don't learn God's word so that we can answer trivia questions or beat our unbelieving friends over the head with it. We seek to grow in the knowledge of him because this is how we get to know our eternal life. Jesus says in John chapter 17, and this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. It is through our learning, our increasing in knowledge of the word of God, that we come to be certain of our eternal life. And here's the curious thing. Remember how I said that Christian preachers of the past primarily were seeking to teach God's word to their hearers and that they didn't seem as concerned with making them feel better about their lives in the world. Well, St. Paul says of those who grow in the knowledge of God in our epistle reading, he says, they are being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints of light. It is from our knowledge of God that we grow in strength in our faith, and from that grow the fruits of patience and joy. In short, knowing God's word strengthens us to find joy in the midst of sorrow, peace in the midst of strife, and rest in the midst of turmoil. The better that we know our theology, the better equipped we are to face the hardships of this fallen world. And that is because in growing in our knowledge of God and his word, we have come to know what the point of all of this project is. St. Paul puts it this way. He has delivered us 
from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God has rescued you from the devil's dark domain and he has brought you into the kingdom of his son by whose blood you have been redeemed from sin and death having been cleansed of all of your sins. People loved by God, don't just take my word for it. Yes, the divine service and the preaching that you hear, the the readings that you hear read every Sunday, this is the heart of your life in the word. But that flow of lifeblood needs to continue throughout the week, that it circulates all the way out throughout our entire lives so that our lives in Christ would be sustained. As your Lord himself says to you, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Live in and live from God's word and you will grow and increase in your knowledge of him. And in so doing, the Holy Spirit will produce in you the fruits of patience and joy, leading to confidence in life everlasting. In Jesus' name. Amen. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus, our Lord.